everybody, welcome back to another one of our Double Stacked Race Recaps, where today we're going to be looking back at the surprisingly entertaining 2021 Spanish Grand Prix. Spain and entertaining, two words in the F1 world that don't regularly go together. But what we saw this weekend, Cameron, was, how oh, I think it was quite an entertaining race, especially on the strategy side, I don't know about you, but I thought for Spain, it was actually quite good. Yeah, Spain and pain are the two words that normally go together. But this one was actually quite interesting after 308.424 kilometres of running on Sunday, 66 laps. It was an all right one, a good race. Uh, considering the races we've had so far in the season, most of them pretty good except from Portimao, which is a bit of a dud, uh, realistically, but um, you're going to get that. But yeah, Spain provided a really good insight. It's a track that all the teams know well, and you can kind of work out the order of the cars and the teams, whereabouts they are, um, from this race like you would in testing so there are some questions answered but many questions still asked about the teams and their performance compared to their competitors Fozzie but the race results was a, another win for Sir Lewis Hamilton building that gap steadily in the championship now and behind him was Max Stappen and Valtteri Bottas so the usual three on the podium that we've come to expect but Charles Leclerc finishing in fourth and Perez down in fifth Danny Ricciardo is 6th, Carlos Sainz 7th, Norris 8th, Ocon 9th, and Pierre Gassi 10th, rounding out your points finishes there. And uh, yeah, really interesting action throughout the entire field, um, but really it was the what we've come to watch now in 2021 is the fight between Red Bull and... Uh, <laughs> and what we've come to watch is the fight between Red Bull and Mercedes, or mainly Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. And it was interesting, wasn't it, Fossey? Yes, and behind that Hamilton versus Verstappen battle is that really close midfield battle. Great to see Ferrari back up in a fairly decent position. P4 for Charles Leclerc and 7 for Carlos Sainz, as you mentioned. If you were to ask me a couple of months back at Ferrari, well, where Ferrari would be, I wouldn't have put them up as high as where they are finishing. It's great to see them up there. But one person, one team, I should say, that I cannot place correctly is Alpine. They had a great time around in Portugal, if I remember correctly. But Fernando Alonso, P17, and Esteban Ocon, P17. P9s in the points, but they're just so split. And Alpine, I still haven't quite figured out where they are in the field yet. I think they're probably bang in the middle, about fifth in the constructors, I'd say, in terms of overall performance. But they just seem to have some very good weekends, and then some weekends are a little bit meh. One team for sure that we can be uh, sure is not doing too good is Haas, but as we all know, they're focusing entirely on 2022 and are not going to be developing their car any further beyond where it is now. So we can't expect them to be competing too much towards the midfield, um, but it's better to have another team in the grid than to not have them at all. Aston Martin, well, again, it's another race where none of them were in the points. Sebastian Vettel still yet to score his first points in the Formula 1 season. Hopefully we'll be seeing that. Maybe will it be in Monaco? Well, he knows that track fairly well, but it's not tra it's a tough track for uh, overtaking. But it'll be good to see Vettel finally get some points as well. And uh, you've already gone through uh, the rest of the grid near enough. So and if you're watching this, you've probably watched the race as well. But it was one of those races that was, yeah, it was okay for overtakes, but strategy was where most of the action laid. And boy, Cameron, was it some pretty good strategy that we saw. Yeah, it was a few blunders across the field, but also some really good plays. Mercedes, you have to say, had that nailed down. The team that's won so many constructors' championships in the hybrid era. And they you can see why. They are the winning material here. You can, you know, forget about the car completely, but it's when it comes to winning championships it's about the driver and the team and, you know, people like your race engineer and your strategist back in base. And Red Bull, we talked about questions. I think they'll be asking questions as to what really went wrong there. 
uh, for them. You know, they uh, had a good qualifying. Uh, Max Verstappen on the front row. And we saw it to turn one. Max Verstappen got his shoulders out. And he wasn't uh, he wasn't giving much room to the seven-time world champion. And uh, he wanted to run away with that. Spain, ever so critical for track position. And that is something that potentially came back to bite them later on in the race. That idea of not surrendering track position. We were kind of thinking it was going to be a two-stop. Um, split between two-stop and a one-stop. And we didn't really know how the teams were going to play that one. And uh, it turned out to be the ever so crucial thing in that race. Now, Red Bull, though, they really kind of built their own demise this week, I'd say, Fossey. I don't know whether you'd agree mm. with me, but yeah. they're kind of knowing now that they are harder on their tyres, both front and rears, compared to the Mercedes and the W12. And to add to that, they also uh, decided they would change from a high downforce wing on free practice, which they used around Friday, uh, to a low downforce wing. They were hoping that they wouldn't you know, be caught up on the straights in that situation, which is really the only time for opportunity, uh, the only opportunity for overtaking around the circuit of Barcelona and Catalonia. But potentially that is what cost them. And also they decided they'd throw away their medium set. They had another set of medium tyres. They used them up during practice. And we weren't really expecting that. If you're going harder on tyres, then why are you going to use your next, you know, hardest compound that is a good race tire the mediums mm. so early on in the race weekend it kind of forces you into that one stop potentially or a two stop uh, soft medium soft but it it makes things difficult for them and you kind of it started to ask questions what is going on with red bull it's almost like they never won a world championship yet they've won plenty you know sebastian vettel in that era and they just seem very rusty and you know it's a long season but you want to be getting your points in now before Mercedes start winding up the pressure and winding up the power, as we're already starting to see. And it's just, I, there's so many questions to ask with Red Bull. What are they doing, Fozzie? Yeah, the thing with Red Bull is, and we've seen it in previous seasons, they never fully hit the ground running. It always takes them about half a season to catch up, by which point Mercedes already ran away with both the constructors and pretty much the drivers as well. But they've got a good car this season. We've seen that from the competitiveness that we've had in the first four races. We saw it in testing as well. They have got a car that is able to win a championship, but they need to hit the ground running with the strategy as well as the car. And the car's there. The strategy and the, uh, the whole teamwork, it's it's just not there. Nothing it isn't quite there. Unfortunately, Sergio Perez, he's still not quite up there with Max Verstappen. But then again, how many races do you give somebody? He's had four races, which you'd have thought he'd be getting there with the car now. He's got 10 years of experience under his belt, so he's not new to Formula 1 overall. But you can't keep saying, oh, we, he's new to the team, he's new to the team. Because before you know it, you're going to be a quarter of the way through the season and you've still got another driver who's unable to compete with your primary driver and unable to give you that strategic advantage over Mercedes, which is what Red Bull desperately needs. So, Cameron, what, what do you think about Perez? Is it that cursed second driver seat coming to bite him? Where do you think, it, you know, where, where do you stand on the whole Sergio Perez issue? Okay, so I'll let it be known. I'm quite the Albon fan, but we'll try not to bring that in to uh, my thoughts here. It just seems typical Red Bull things, doesn't it? It's like, you know, they've got the one driver, Max, who's dragging everything out of that car and the team. And yet you look on the other side of the garage and you've got uh, Perez, who finished a race down in fifth and is nowhere near the top three or top two in the, constru in the uh, driver's championship. He just seems to be in a mind of his own, in a field of his own. And really not making that much progress throughout the race either. I know it is Spain, but you'd expect that Rebel car to be strengths ahead of the other ones. You know, there's still a bit of a gap. And you do start to wonder, you know, what are Red Bull thinking here? Are they 
have they just abandoned the constructors already and they're going purely for the drivers, focusing on Max, which we've seen in the past with certain other teams over different eras? Uh, because if Perez is down in, in fifth and quite a while away from your teammate, that surrenders you on a strategy, which we've seen time and time again. If your second driver isn't there, then that means your first driver's at risk of being swallowed up by the other faster cars around them. And you know, people give Bottas, Valtteri Bottas, a lot of stick, but one thing is he's always there or thereabouts with the top runners. He gives Mercedes that extra string to their bow so they can deploy their strategy and sort of make Red Bull, their other competitors, force into a corner. Mm. And that Red Bull just don't have that at the moment. Now, whether that will change, well, we hope so. Perez, obviously, he's trying to learn a different car, a different team. That Red Bull is known to be ever so twitchy, ever so difficult to drive, as we've seen from other things. And, and he's going to have to adapt his style to that. And certain races, he seems to be all right, but it's just nowhere really there today. I mean, he was behind Charles Leclerc and the Ferrari, and Ferrari have made progress, but you, you kind of expect that it would be a... You know, a uh, Red Bull Mercedes, Red Bull Mercedes or something along those lines. It just wasn't that. And those are crucial points to be losing this early in the championship. And uh, that is the beauty of having a stable team like Mercedes. They've kept the same driver lineup. Yes, there's been rumours recently about Valtteri going mid-season. That isn't happening. They're not going to do that. They've got the winning combination. Just look, at they had a double podium today. Yeah, bit of gap between them, but a double podium is double podium. And... Rebel need that. And we've been saying it throughout, you know, since Ricardo left, drivers in and out, in and out. Musical hot seating within that second car. And they just need to get someone in. It might be Perez. And just let them drive and just get used to the car. Give as much track time as possible and hope that they improve. Um, so, yeah, take what you want from that. Um, yeah. and strategy really cost them in Spain. And uh, they will be feeling in pain, I'd imagine, Fossey. So do you think then, going back to that strategy, that when Hamilton came in for that second box and was 23 seconds behind Verstappen, should Red Bull have reacted on that lap, got Verstappen in for a 22-second box and come out just ahead of Hamilton? Do you think they should have reacted straight away? And if so, do you think they could have come away winning that race? So this is interesting. Normally I'd say yes. And in fact, I still kind of am leaning towards that. But we saw their first stop wasn't great for Red Bull. It's very rare they mess up, but they had a slow stop for Max, around about four seconds. It's it's two more than they'd ideally like. Um, so that, that might have played in, you know. They had a good stop with the other car, though. And that first lap, when Lewis boxed, that 23-second gap was ever so crucial. As you said, the, the normal pit stop time during Spain would have been within that. And that was their one opportunity. And the issue was that Matt Lewis was catching them at a rate of knots. You know, he was really... Game on, visor down, head focused, a driving. second and a half to two seconds yeah, lap after in box, exactly. So. Yeah, so they Red Bull should have they should have made that decision there and then. As soon as they saw Lewis coming in, do you stay in or stay out? They obviously opted for stay out. It might have been close on pit exit, but it would have been closer than what it was on lap sixty when Lewis caught up to Max, breeze past him, DRS, no answers, no answer to that. It's just straight through. There's no there's no real competition there. It was like sort of lapping a hass, basically. That's what looked was what yeah. it looked like. Um, so it might have just been worth Red Bull, and in fact, I would have gone with that if I was on the pit wall, just bringing that car in, getting it stopped, hoping for a good pit stop, and then battling on the pit exit, because at least then you've got something to fight for, rather than being on used tyres and the car starting to feel like you're driving a boat rather than a mm. Formula 1 car. Yeah. Uh, what would you have done in that situation, Fozzy? Well, we see Hamilton came home to win the race by 15 seconds. I, like you, would have reacted straight away. On the next lap, I would have brought Verstappen in. 
If it all went to plan, you would have been ahead by about a second. If it didn't go to plan and it had a slightly slower stop, you may have been about a second behind Hamilton. You'd have lost track position, but you're on a lap newer tyres, only one lap newer tyres. And with Verstappen getting his elbows out, I reckon he probably could have closed to within DRS and then over the course of the rest of the race, he would have at some point been able to overtake into turn one, especially if he has that go-for-it, send-it attitude, which I think Verstappen has got uh, in his mentality this season. So I would have brought him in and would have hoped that one way or another, Max would have regained track position. And it might have, might have been sorry, a much closer fight towards the end of the race as well. Um, but it's a thing in the past. It's happened. Verstappen was... <laughs> I say happy with his second place. He knows he could have potentially got first place if the strategy was a little bit different, but he's not going to be fully disappointed with second place. Hamilton will be very happy with, uh, well, not just his team wall, uh, pit wall, apologies, or his whole team, but he'll be happy with that win because he's won three out of four races of his season so far, and that's setting him up brilliantly as we move further into the season, especially with the fact that there could be some tracks coming up that are very tailored to Red Bull. So if Hamilton could get that bit of a gap, then it gives him a bit of a buffer zone for when we get to these Red Bull-heavy tracks. But, well, it's Monaco next. And uh, Hamilton or Verstappen in Monaco? What do you think, Cameron? Uh, it could be either of them, really. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Max continues his aggressive nature into Turn 1 that they're both out. And then we have, who knows at that point, it could be literally anyone. Uh, probably whoever's lined up third, actually, because it's Monaco. But, mm. uh, yeah, I think we are starting to see mind games playing here before yep. um, yeah, we head into Monaco. I think we are seeing mind games being played already. We saw 2016. Nico did everything on track and off track to really get under the skin of Lewis Hamilton and uh, edge that championship away. Now, with Max, we've seen it in Imola, and we've now seen it in Spain, that barge into Turn 1, the... The Rebel is very good off the line, which is think, which is something that I never would have said last year when we saw the Honda just struggling. It's like it just didn't have any gears or something. Well, uh, well you remember year, in Turkey. Be... Remember how that yeah. Rebel just didn't move yeah. in Turkey at all. And then Austria in yeah. 2019, he didn't get going then either, did he? Came home to yeah. win. And we but... had, uh, had Magello as well, where he was, it looked good, and then it just didn't oh, yeah, go then, any then further. All, all and then he didn't go any further. Then. No. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they've they've got issues, but this year... They seem to have just the opportunity there. They just seem to be throwing it away. And it's it's kind of, it's just angry to see. And I wonder what Max is thinking. Yes, he seems quite content with his results, which he would be if this was 2020 and Mercedes are six tenths faster than you on Spain like they were around about last year. You know, you would be happy with P2 and taking faster that. You'd be happy yeah. with that. There'd be no real bother. It's like, okay, I've split the Mercedes. We've done a good job. Crack on to the next one. But now they have the car, like we mentioned earlier, and I do wonder if Max is just thinking, come on, you know, I'm doing everything I can. You'd better do everything you can and we can try and get this way. It's a, it's a chance, a slim chance, but they have a chance of taking the championship this year. And you just wonder what is going on in Max Verstappen's head. He's even said himself that um, about Perez being further back, not having that second driver. And uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see Monaco. Monaco track, also not known for overtaking, but is has a bit more of an atmosphere around it than Spain. Um it's the jewel in the crown. So it'll be interesting to see who goes there. I am going to predict Max Verstappen to take the win in Monaco because he needs it for his championship. <laughs> and uh, Hamilton finishing third. We'll go with third just to spice things up a bit. And then, I mean, pick of the mix for second. Uh, a little fancy, a little fancy Bottas because uh, he's, still, he's still there, I think. Yeah, he's still yeah. thereabouts. So he's, uh, he's still he doing should really be. Good. Yeah, he should be. 
uh, up for the challenge in Monaco. What do you think, Fozzie? Well, I think that the Monaco challenge, whoever takes it, it will be decided on the Saturday, I think. As we know, qualifying, probably the most important qualifying of the season. Maybe Spain or Hungary might come up there as well, but Monaco, a lot of it's done on the Saturday. So whoever takes pole is in the fighting chance of winning that race, and everybody wants to be winning at Monaco. But... We'll have to wait another about a week and a half as we record to see the results of that, where Formula 1 returns on the Thursday. Oh, yeah, Monaco, say what you want about the track action on Sunday, but Saturday is the place to watch and witness cars going around Monaco. It's just mental to see these cars. And, uh, well, we'll be back for another race recap after the race on Sunday. We'll be around about the sort of Monday that week. And you can join us then. But let us know your predictions for Monaco down in the comments below. And what do you think is going on at Red Bull and the other teams among the paddock? And uh, if you're on the audio versions, then give us a like on whatever platform that is. And we'd appreciate that greatly. But from Fozzie and I, that has been your race recap for Spain. We'll see you in about a week and a bit. Have a good one and goodbye. <laughs>